Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. If you want to partner with us, or if you're interested in more information, head over to brave.church to find out more. There you'll see resources to help kids learn more about Jesus, discussion guides for this talk, as well as ways our Brave Compassion team is responding to needs in this season. To catch the full Brave release, including worship and other updates, check out this talk on YouTube. Now, thanks for joining us. We hope this talk helps you find and follow Jesus. Hey, Brave Church. Thanks for joining us today. It is so great to be with you. Happy Father's Day, dads. Fist bump to all of you. Hey, I hope you're celebrating your dad, appreciating him, honoring him today on his special day. Uh, My wife, Marcy, and I, we just had an amazing couple of weeks on my paternity leave to bond and get adjusted to life with our new baby. Uh, Then we were able to take a couple vacation days and head up to Lake Tahoe. It was so good and so much needed. You know, in seasons of transition, it's important for all of us to rest and renew ourselves. As our state reopens, we head into summer. And my hope and prayer for all of you as your pastor is that you're able to set aside some time for renewal. Even if it's a staycation at home with your family, sometimes those are the best vacations Caring for your soul, it really doesn't need to require a lot of money or resources. You don't have to go somewhere far away. It's as simple as prioritizing time to connect with God, have meaningful connections with your loved ones, and doing things that fill your tank. So that's what we did, and I'm going to share a little bit about that. But first, I want to give you an update on where we're at in our journey of unification, If you're a guest with us today, Brave Church in San Ramon and Valley Christian Center in Dublin have voted to unify and become one. One church with two physical locations where we gather in person and an online location where we gather weekly. Uh, My name is Samuel Laws. I'm the lead pastor. And I want to begin by just clearing something up. Okay, some have been asking the question, what do I call my church? What's the name? Is it Brave Dublin, Brave Valley, just Brave or Valley or Brave San Ramon? So let me just clear that up, okay? We have one name, Brave Church. If you attend in San Ramon, then you can say you go to the San Ramon campus, but the church is still just Brave Church. If you attend in Dublin, it's still just Brave Church. So one church, one name, three locations, San Ramon, Dublin, and online. Now, if Brave Dublin is your home church, And where you attend, you can refer to it as the Valley Campus. Or if you're talking to someone new or in the community and you're inviting them, sometimes it may be more helpful to say Brave in Dublin just because then they know how to find it because it's the name of the city. So hopefully that's clear enough. It's Brave Church. And then the the distinctions are the campus location where you're attending, okay? Our team is working really hard on a new website that we're going to be launching next month, so you won't have to go to two different sites to see what's happening. It's all going to be in one place, easy to find. Um, We're moving to one joint church database. We'll be updating signage. There are so many things coming, and I'll be sharing more exciting updates very soon, okay? Well, hey, let's get into it. We just kicked off a new talk series called What's Next? Because this is the question that we're all asking. It's an an exciting question, it's a simple question, and it's sometimes a scary question. The truth is we don't always know what's next. It can be hard to prepare for what's next. It can be hard to process what's next. And when it's here, 
we don't always know how to deal with what's next. This is true for our lives, for our families, and our future as a church. And so today's talk is about your life and your family, and it's also about your church. So I'm going to be pulling back the curtain at times so you can be really aware of what's going on behind the scenes. Over the last few weeks, we've been in the process of reorganizing as a staff to better serve and care for you. I've also been on paternity leave. The timing has been crazy. One minute, God births this huge thing in the life of our churches, and then we've got a new baby at home. We're not getting a lot of sleep. Our staff is losing sleep because when you have a new baby, that's what happens. My order of priorities is God first, then my family, and then the church. But it's been a juggling act, and that can be a little messy at times. So this last week, I called an audible. And I took some vacation and we headed for Tahoe. You know, the mountains have been a place for us to retreat and also a place to hear from God about what's next. So we got up there and the whole time God was speaking to me through the experience. It was the same hotel I grew up going to as a kid. It was so surreal. And now I'm there with my own littles. But one of the things that we experienced was, well, it wasn't quite like I remembered mostly due to the pandemic, but you know, the gift shops had random hours. When we got there, they told us the slide at the pool was closed until the weekend. Then later that day, we saw it was running. Some of the restaurants were open, some were closed. One night they were closed with no notice. One restaurant never opened. I asked, I asked why, and they said, well, we're trying to rehire people coming out of the pandemic. So many things were not what you would expect, and the service wasn't ideal. Now, I know this is a first world problem, but imagine finding out the day after you check in that for the next few days, no one will be cleaning or changing your sheets. Then your toddler takes off her pull-up and pees in her pack and play. You find out they wouldn't even be bringing you bath towels or toilet paper unless you call and ask for it. As thing after thing was not what we expected, there was a distinct moment. I think it was when we found out there was no cleaning service or breakfast that we had to decide as a family are we going to complain and focus on the negative or are we going to let the are we going to let these things cast a negative cloud over the whole week or are we going to make the most of it the truth is it was still a beautiful place to be we still had a great time i got to take my kids swimming and go down the water slide and see the same joy i had all those years ago now on my daughter's face we had family movie nights in bed we made family memories we'll look back on for years to come there was so much to be grateful for. Even when all, with all of the inconveniences we know we'll be going back, all because we decided to make the most of it. Right now, for most churches, not just ours, there's a feeling of being half open. Now hear me, we never closed, but you know what I mean. It's not the same right now. There are teams being rebuilt, ministries being relaunched, staff being reorganized. With so many moving away, it's taking time for resources to be replaced, replenished as new people join and start contributing. And so with all that we're navigating, as we step into what's next, so much about how we experience this season will be determined by the attitude we choose. Let's make the most of it. So you you might be starting over, moving to a new home, living in a new community, or getting used to empty rooms and empty places at the dinner table as your kids go away to college. Your favorite places may not feel the same yet. Just when you get used to working from home, maybe you have to go back to the office and it doesn't feel like it used to. 
It doesn't have the same buzz in the hallways. The same faces aren't around or the same perks. The only thing that's probably the same is the traffic. See, some of the things that we miss the most about gathering together on Sundays and throughout the week, they just aren't the same. Most of our groups still are are meeting on Zoom when we used to enjoy seeing each other face-to-face and sharing a meal. Maybe this is just me, but I love a packed room when we gather for worship. I miss that. I can't wait till that's something that we're all comfortable with again. There's so much that just isn't the same right now. And we all have a choice to make. We have to decide, will I focus on the negative and be down on the way things are, or will I choose to make the most of it? The title of today's talk is Make the Most of It. Turn to someone you're watching with and say, make the most of it. Make the most of it. See, fortunately for us, the Bible has a lot of wisdom and direction for how to do this. We're not the first group of people to find themselves in a rebuild This isn't the first time God's people have found themselves needing some perspective and encouragement for what's next. Hey, you can boo me all you want, A's fans, but we need to be like the Giants right now. Okay, they weren't even projected to make the playoffs this year, and here we are a third of the way through the season, and they have the best record in all of baseball. Okay, knock on wood, but hey, that doesn't happen if you don't have the right attitude. Some of us have been starting our days like we're not projected to do anything great. We're listening to critical voices. We're believing the worst case scenarios and it's no wonder we feel like we're losing. See, winning people have a winning perspective just like winning teams. For those taking notes, you can write this down, but today we're gonna talk about making the most of it in any situation. And number one, here's what we need to do. The first thing is appreciate what we have. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, You know what the opposite of a grateful person is? It's not ungrateful, it's unhappy. You cannot be happy without a grateful heart. Gratitude is a lens that sees what we have as outweighing what we don't have every time we pull out the scales. See, for many of us right now, the challenge is to see what we have rather than focus on what we don't. Um, This was the turning point for my family this week. Instead of focusing on everything that wasn't available, wasn't open, wasn't there, we chose to look at what was. Now that sounds simple, right? Simple enough. But just because something is simple doesn't mean it's easy. A lot of things are simple, but that doesn't make them less profound or less powerful in our lives. Eating healthy is a simple concept. Living below your means is a simple concept. Appreciating what we have is simple but powerful. Yet we don't default to this. It's just not what most of us do. It requires strength. Um, There's another passage in Colossians. It says this. It says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. The more rooted in truth our lives become, the more we overflow with thankfulness. This looks like something. It looks like a good attitude more often than not. And I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking or hyping yourself into a false positivity every day. Okay, when you follow Jesus daily and you're strengthened in the faith, a natural result is to be overflowing with thankfulness. A bad attitude is kind of like bad breath. You're often the last one to know you have it. So this week, I wanna challenge all of us to take a test. Let's ask ourselves on a scale from one to, to 10, How grateful is my perspective? 
And then I want you to do something really brave. Ask like two to three people that you're close to, like family members, a spouse, a close friend. After you've scored yourself one to 10, ask them, how grateful is my attitude lately? One to 10. And if you don't like where you're at, it's time to change your attitude. This next point helps us do that. Number two, understand unmet expectations. Understand unmet expectations. Proverbs 14, 29, it says, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Um, One of my biggest struggles is impatience. When I'm trying to get something done or trying to get somewhere, I hate delays, especially when it's not what I'm expecting. The other day I was standing in line at Starbucks and no one else was in line, just one guy in front of me. And they were a little short staffed, probably because they're still figuring things out, reopening. And then the guy in front of me decides to start catching up with the barista, like they were old friends that had reunited. They talked about their family, school, and work. And and I'm standing there for what felt like 10 minutes, but it was probably five. And I'm completely amazed at how long they're talking while I'm just trying to get a cup of coffee. My amazement started turning to anger. In my head, I had already said something like, hey, can I just get a cup of coffee over here? I was about to say this, and, and then they start talking about his health, and I realize, oh, I think there's more going on. Wow, I, I hope this guy's okay. Then I kid you not, he finally walks away. I step up to order, and the barista apologized for the wait, and then she says, hey, aren't you that guy from Brave? Wow, I was almost that jerk from Brave if I had opened my mouth just a few minutes earlier. Anger assumes that my understanding is all there is. Anger assumes the way I see things, the way they affect me, is all there is to it. There's little room for compassion. There's hardly any room for misunderstanding. There's very little grace for mistakes. But those who are slow to anger, people who are are really hard to make angry, the Bible says that they have great understanding. See, what what we need more of in our families and in our community and our church right now is great understanding. Uh, In 1 Peter 3.8, it says, Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. We all need an extra measure of sympathy, compassion, understanding, and grace. Let me see a quick show of hands if, if you'd like a little more of those things. I think we all would. We could all use some more grace. We could all use some more compassion. Um, And the truth is, there could be more than enough to go around if we all started giving it rather than expecting it. So you don't wait for the people around you to earn it or deserve it. Just give it. That's how we make the most of it. When we see things that don't meet our expectations and we understand, what we're understanding is that people are far more important than most of the things that we thought were important. Don't let your unmet expectations keep you from making the most of it. So let's review. Number one, appreciate what we have. Number two, understand unmet expectations. And after we've committed to a grateful outlook and then sought to understand why things are the way they are, this allows us to do number three, which is to see the potential of what will be. Our lives are full of potential, even as we find ourselves wondering, what's next for my purpose? What's next for my career? What's next for my family? What's next for my church? The fingerprints of God are all around us if we'll pay attention. 
God has been with us this whole time. He's been setting things up, preparing us, preparing the way for Jesus to work in our lives and in our city. 2 Kings chapter 4 has this powerful story where a widow cries out to the prophet Elisha. She cries out for help, and in response, God does a miracle. Let's read this story, 2 Kings 4, starting in verse 1. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. And then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. And then they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live off what is left. Maybe like this widow, you've been crying out to God for help, asking him to provide, to make a way to meet you in your place of need. If you're not experiencing the fullness of God's presence in your life right now, maybe it's because you're not empty enough. Maybe you still have some options, some leads. Maybe you feel capable, you're self-assured and confident. I want to take you on a reflective journey. When we follow Jesus around in scripture, what we see is how highly interested he was in people who were empty. When Jesus went to all the cities and the villages, the scriptures say he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw them as spiritually empty, bankrupt people. So Jesus, he had this crowd one time, over 5,000 people who were spiritually and physically hungry. Their stomachs were hurting and he had them sit down and wait so that he could demonstrate to every empty person what God can do with emptiness. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the substance of fulfilling life. And then he fed them physically. In another famous story, one time at a wedding in Cana, Jesus' mother came to him and said, we've ran out of wine. The jars are empty. And Jesus looked around at the emptiness and he saw six empty water pots. He said, fill those with water and draw out of them. He took these six empty water pots that were 20 to 30 gallons in size and he turned them to wine. When we find ourselves most empty, we see most clearly who our true provider is. See, maybe you're completely empty right now. And making the most of it means coming to Jesus. I want to pray with you. We're not done, but I want to take a moment right now. If you're watching and if you're listening and you're at that point of emptiness where you've tried it on your own, you've tried in your own strength, but you're ready to surrender to God. And if God's spirit is speaking to you, it's tugging on your heart, it's making himself known to you. I want you to agree with this prayer as I pray it. Dear God, I am empty. I am empty before you. I need your spirit to fill me. I need your new life within me. I am dead on the inside. And God, I, on this day, I commit my life to following you. I commit to living for your purposes, no longer on my own. 
Lighten my burden, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. In closing, I wanna say something to my church family. Brave Church, we need to recognize that God's hand is on us. Here's what we all need to catch. Okay, when God shows up and the oil starts flowing, it's time to make the most of it. Grab every jar you can find so that God can fill it. The signs are all around us. Look what God has done already. Can I just brag for a minute to give God some glory? I mean, we have so much to be grateful for. At a time when many churches have never felt weaker, we have become stronger. In the Bay Area, a place known as a graveyard for churches, God has positioned us to thrive for many years to come. We have not one, but two major campuses. We have more land than any church in the entire Bay Area. See the potential of what will be. Do you see what God is doing? Do you see the lives that will be changed for eternity as our vision comes to life? Think of how many families will be impacted by the gospel when our schools are at full capacity. Think of how many students every year will go into the world with a Jesus-shaped worldview as missionaries who will work in hospitals, run companies, develop technology, and become spiritual leaders. Think of how many people will hear the life-changing message of Jesus Christ preached every Sunday as our auditoriums are overflowing with people. Do you know why they'll overflow with people? Do you know why this vision will come to pass? Because Brave Church is a church committed to getting out of the way when it comes to the work of Jesus. In Proverbs, it says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. It's easy to build a church around opinions. Honestly, it's not that hard for many Christians to find one that fits their opinions. But you know what these churches become? Christian clubs. Christian clubs for Christians that have rationalized away all of that compassion we just talked about, all of that love that motivated Jesus. Remember, when, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus didn't come for clubs. He came for crowds. Jesus loved the crowds. When he saw them, he had compassion. When Jesus gives us this heart for people, it's emotional. It's hard to even think about our opinions and our preferences because we understand how unimportant they are compared to helping people find and follow Jesus. Jesus didn't come and die, so our favorite worship songs will be sung on Sunday. Jesus didn't come and die so that we would all vote the same way. Jesus didn't come and die so that no one would bring coffee into the auditorium and stain the carpet, okay? Jesus came and died for the potential of what his life could mean for so many. And that's why we're here today. That's why we do this. That's why we show up. That's why we give. That's why we serve. It's why we're gonna make the most of it. Even when what's next isn't necessarily what we're hoping for. And this is where we're gonna pick up next week. You know, I've almost never met a person who doesn't like Jesus. I met a lot of people who don't like his church. Last week, I shared our purpose statement. Brave Church exists to help people find and follow Jesus. What would it look like for us to be a church that people are as attracted to as they are to Jesus? I know I already gave you a homework assignment for this week, but, but here's one more and then we'll close. If you have a friend that's interested in Jesus, but skeptical of the church, invite them next Sunday. God bless. We'll see you next week. 
Thanks for joining us for the Brave Church Podcast. If this ministry is impacting you, please consider giving to support what God is doing through our church. For questions or to get connected, please visit brave.church. We'll see you next week.